Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 22, Great Pain, Indescribable Peace. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Today, Miss Sue Bell is joining us, and Miss Sue attends here at Mayfair uh, with her husband Jim. Now, both Randy and I have worked with Miss Sue for uh, a bunch of years. Uh, we're blessed to call her our, our friend, not just a coworker. Um, um, for all these years, she has managed our office staff, and even before that, you managed uh, managed Lee which those who know Lee Milam around here know that's a handful in and of itself. But um, back in September, she kind of pursued a different path in ministry, and, and that was uh, moving toward retirement and taking on probably all kind of new responsibilities. Um, but Miss Sue has always been a calming presence and always a blessing around here. We're, we're grateful that you're joining us today, Miss Sue. You're, you're welcome to speak at any time. Okay, I'm just very appreciative that you all think that I have a helpful faith story to tell, mm. and that on that that feels like an honor to me. Uh, it I'm very nervous about it, yeah. but uh, I hope that I do have something to say that will be helpful. How long did you work at Mayfair? Thirty years. Thirty in years May, in May before I retired in September. I had been here thirty years. So you raised a lot of these people here. Uh, kind of, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> kind of your Mayfair yeah. babies, aren't they? Yeah, it's amazing whenever things came up, like funerals and stuff, and uh, I would start going up there to, to help the family, and then the extended family would start showing up, and it was like, oh, they were... I was part of their youth group, you know, yeah. you know, experience kind of thing. So so it's kind of... It's been a real pro- awesome process. Yeah. I remember back in 1999 when I came, it was at the old building too, and I was pretty overwhelmed or you know nervous about the whole move here to Mayfair and serving on staff. And this and Miss Sue was there from day one and just made that uh, that move so smooth and made me feel welcome. I really appreciate well, you. all your encouragement throughout the years. Now a lot of I mean we know you, okay, and a lot of people that may be listening will know you, but. Not everyone um, knows where you came from, and maybe just share a little bit, Miss Sue, about your family that you grew up in. Maybe tell us a little about yourself. Well, you know, first of all, um, I think one of the things that I may not have shared with either one of y'all is why why we ended up at Mayfair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Paris, Tennessee, and um, 
was not a part of church in the early years. And I, I remember my mom and dad being baptized in fourth grade mm-hmm. when I was in fourth grade at a point when my dad was home from the TB hospital in Memphis. And so that started our church journey. Mm-hmm. And even then, we weren't that faithful. But uh, I, when I met Jim, he, was, he came from a very strong uh Church of Christ family, just salt of the earth people. And he became that person that brought me out of a shell and uh, had me believing that church was the core of who we were going to be. And so um, we ended up, long story short, we ended up in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio for his work. And I made him promise when we were driving in on the interstate that he'd bring me back south someday. And so we had a workshop up there, and Ron Ingram from Mayfair came and did did the uh, early childhood stuff, which I was in class with, and he was in with the teens. And all Ron talked about was Mayfair, Mayfair, Mayfair. And I went home and I said, Jim, I know where we want to raise our kids Mm -hmm. in the church. I said, we want to be in Huntsville, Alabama at Mayfair. And uh, our preacher's wife was Dr. Tate's sister. And so her daughter and I started the cradle roll department there in Cincinnati, but I always wanted to come back south. And Jim was pursuing his degree. He had not gone to college until after he got out of the Army. And so we ended up um, finishing that degree. And at the same time we finished that degree, uh, there was an ad in the newspaper for SCI in Huntsville. And I sat down and we typed up his original resume and we just came here. SEI flew him down here. He uh, did their interview. They wanted to hire him. I had never been to Huntsville. Uh, <laughs> we were going to Arkansas the next weekend for a wedding that our daughter was in and for her cousin. And I said, do you think I'm going to like it? He said, I think you'll love it. And I said, well, say yes. So <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Jesus. So we the first time I saw Huntsville was when we came to look <laughs> to, for a house. <laughs> oh, to wow. move in. To wow. move in. And and uh, Dr. Uh, Romaine, Dr. Tate's sister, got us in touch with them, and they took us out to dinner after church that Sunday night. Hmm. And we never looked at another church. We I knew we needed to be at Mayfair. But I think mm-hmm. that's part of a faith story. I think God intended for Sue and Jim Bell to raise their children in, at Mayfair in Huntsville, yeah, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So what about what about young Sue Bell? What young about Young Sue Bell was uh, <laughs> fine, I think, until fourth grade when my dad had TB, mm-hmm. and he went to the. Uh, TB hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, and stayed 13 years, 13 months. And um, I remember, because we had to go on welfare, I remember closing up into a shell because I felt so inferior and so poor mm-hmm. because I got free lunches and I, my aunt made me clothes out of flour sacks. If everybody remembers that flour sacks used to be cute. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but, I remember just shutting down, and I told Randy just a little bit ago that I remember a church class coming to make us their Christmas project, and uh, they brought us some little 
gifts and um, sang to us and they were all gathered in front of us and we were standing there and I, my brother and I talked about it later. We both wanted to crawl under the couch because we oh, felt yeah. so different from mm. them. And so it took me a long, long time to crawl out of that shell and Jim was very instrumental in making that happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not much memory of anything and, and um, I think I've told Doug for sure and Randy potentially. Um, my dad had a problem in being able to be faithful to my mom and so he had multiple affairs. Bless my mom, she kept it from us until high school and uh, he had gone off to a different town to pursue business and he was gonna move us there, but his intent was not that. And so she kind of gave him an ultimatum and I remember my brother and I sitting with him with his car packed with his clothes in it and everything and talking him out of leaving. So we pretty much talked my dad into staying Hmm. as part of our family, but that's when I knew why we were so dysfunctional whenever I was growing up. Sure. Uh, it was there. It was just, it just didn't have answers mm-hmm. when I was younger, but it had the answers when I was older. So you went through a lot. Went through a lot in, the, in, your, in your growing up years. I did. Yeah. I did. But, um, you, know, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I, I said to you, I said this to you earlier, and I, I, you know, we've had this conversation on multiple times. It's really, and that's just why kind of we're doing this podcast as well. Is like, realistically, we all have some history, some story, and some of it we're embarrassed about. Some of it, um, we didn't choose. You didn't choose for that to happen with your dad. You didn't choose for you to be on, you know, food stamps and uh, have. And you, but that experience has shaped who you are, um, and it shapes us all. And then when we get to tell those stories, there are people out there who are experiencing different things. That's what mm-hmm. I love about uh, what we get to do here. Um, now you've talked about Jim. How did you and Jim? How did y'all meet? And how? Where did he come from in this <laughs> process? Well, first of all, we went to different high schools. You know, it's kind of like here and out in Madison and all that. He went to a little little uh, little school called Cottage Grove, and I went to the big school in town, Grove High School. Now, where is where is Cottage Grove? Where where Cottage Grove is what just, town? It, it's Cottage Grove, Tennessee. Okay, I was going to say that's got to be Tennessee, just the way. Yeah, yeah. Because you and you got to say it like Cottage Grove. Cottage Grove. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like and that. he was James Ray, and it, I was Betty Sue. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we 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 were <laughs> basketball rivals, and you know because Cottage Grove Grove. Well, you know, they were the little hicks out in the country, mm-hmm. and we were the uh, the. Uh, elite school in town so Mm. uh we actually met whenever i was i didn't date hardly any because i was just too shy but uh somebody fixed me up with a guy and after the basketball game jim was with another girl and my best friend and her (laughs) her boyfriend were together and then i was with this bill and uh I didn't particularly care for bill (laughs) (laughs) and jim thought he cared for judy but uh when we kind of started uh, interacting, it was like, 
uh, wow. And so, um, so then the next time I met him was at another basketball game. Anyway, long story short, we just ended up together, and, and uh, it just was supposed to be. But he really infused a lot of confidence into me. Um, I was lo- loved, and uh, he respected me, and, mm-hmm. and um, it just brought me out of my shell. Now, I say that. But I'll have to tell you that my mother was my hero. Mm -hmm. She, for all of that that she went through, and I can't even imagine, she was, and it probably was because she couldn't channel her love and emotion into her marriage, so she channeled it all into us kids. Mm -hmm. And so my mother loved me, and she she literally, I believe, would have laid down and died for me at any given moment because she was, she was that good. Now, she wasn't a sweet, soft, feminine Southern lady. She was a little bit, uh, she, was, she was feisty. <laughs> she wore blue jeans, and, and <laughs> the years before she died, she did woodworking, and she, wore, she drove a pickup truck. And, I mean, she, she was a... She was a force to be reckoned with, but but I knew she loved me, and she was so sweet mm-hmm. to us kids. Now, you cross her, or you cross <laughs> us, and it was a whole different story. <laughs> Remind me, so there was you and your brother, the, just the two of y'all? Was there, I, I have a younger sister. Younger sister. Uh, my brother, for a while, was uh, a hero for me, too, because he was f- almost four years older than me. And because we didn't have a lot of frivolous things like treats and stuff like that, he worked a lot. He he worked mm. as a as a paper. He had a paper route early on, and if Sandy and I would help him collect, he would give us an allowance. And then he went to work for International Tea Company grocery store as a mm. busboy. I don't know that that's the right term, but anyway, he would get paid every Friday, and he would come home at the end of his shift, and he would give us, he would bring home candy and ice cream and stuff for us before he went out with his friends. Wow. Wow. So he became a little daddy figure when daddy was deficient, Mm -hmm. and so I I adored my big brother. Mm. My little sister was just a pest. Well, they are. Yeah, five years difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then Jim came along, and y'all dated. So high school started dating, mm-hmm. and then we started in um, the basketball season of my senior year. Dated through my senior year, uh, and uh, broke up once, and um, got back together. And uh, he proposed to me, and we were married the year after high, we graduated from high school. So how many years have y'all been married now? Huh? How many years have y'all been married now? I have to think about that. We married in 65, so that's what? We're going on 57? Is that right? Don't ask yes. me. Yes, I, that, I, sounds, that sounds about right. That's, yeah, that sounds 57. right. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. Then you, y'all married in your family. So maybe I know we were going to ask you a little bit, maybe share a little bit about your kids, which are grown kids now and with, great, with kids of their um, own. but. We first had Vicky, and we still lived in. We, we when Jim got out of the army, we went back to Paris, where he had worked for a little company. He actually got into tech school that they had started during our high school years, and he was working part time and and 
leaving school and going to this company, Clippard mm-hmm. Instruments, because Jim always was technical and he always knew that he wanted to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so he was an he was an electronic technician is what they ended up calling him. And so he worked for Clippard and Clippard's um, headquarters was in Cincinnati and that that's how we ended up there. But um, he this was during the Vietnam War and mm-hmm. um, he this Bill Cowell, who was the head of Clippard, just took a liking to Jim and got him an exemption for from the war. Oh, wow. and, mm-hmm. uh, and and Jim didn't feel like it was honest because you know it needed to be like we needed to be in an industry. Well, they were in like the TV industry, you know, like they were building TVs and all the parts and all that kind of stuff. And he felt guilty for having a, a deferment. And so he decided that he wanted to join the Army, get some schooling, get something beneficial out of it. And uh, so we decided that that was what he would do. And so he went into the Army and put in his three years and went mm. to Vietnam. <laughs> the, the, oh, the, wow. the crazy thing about that is with, a, with the kind of uh, schooling that he got, he got computer repair. And usually on, on, at the end of that course, they would choose the best students to stay as instructors. Yeah. Well, Jim was not only the best student the day of graduation of that course, but every course that graduated that day, Jim was the top honor graduate of all of those. Wow. And so wouldn't you assume that they would keep his an instruct, him as an instructor? So they kind of didn't know what to do with his class because there was a glut of instructors. And so they put us on hold for a while. We didn't know where we were going next. And I remember the day that he was called in to be told to what, where their class was going, and they just shipped his whole class to Vietnam. Mm. Well, wow. it was very devastating because I thought he, we joined and got schooling to avoid that. So he ended up in Vietnam for a year. Mm. So then when he came back, we decided he came back to that little job. I was staying at home with my mom and dad, and he came back and started back with Clippard and we decided he needed to be going to college. So we traded our old Cutlass for a little Volkswagen <laughs> and so he could drive 30 miles every day to go to UT Martin. Right. And so he started his college degree there and uh, Clippard actually um, checked and made sure that he could go to school at night and finish his degree if, they, if he went to work up there. So hmm. he finished his degree there and then we came back so y'all South. had vicky along this path we so had you have, vicky, yeah she's the oldest she's the oldest uh-huh. so she was born in paris and then we moved to cincinnati and jennifer and christy both were born while we were in cincinnati that's paris tennessee i'm assuming yes okay yes <laughs> yes it wasn't paris france um but uh both of them were born in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and when we moved back, Christy was uh, 18 months old. Mm-hmm. So we had one born in Tennessee and two born in Cincinnati. And um, we got here, and the school system was great. Um, church was everything that I had heard it was supposed to be, and so here we were, you know, just raising our kids and. A beautiful town, a great church, and um, 
it's funny because you you think okay you get your children baptized and you go oh that's big life moment and so mm-hmm. all three of our children were baptized at Mayfair active with the youth group well then the next big step is who they date and who sure. they eventually marry sure and so you're going oh and so we 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 sent Vicky off to Lipscomb in Nashville thinking she would find Mr. Wright and that all <laughs> things would be great and she didn't she didn't she couldn't figure out what she wanted to be and she said I'm wasting your money so she wanted to come home and I remember thinking but there's nobody here uh-huh. <laughs> and God knew about Scotty Sparks but I didn't <laughs> <laughs> so Vicky met Scotty here mm-hmm. and then uh, Jennifer went to Lipscomb, and she was engaged up there to a young guy that was very musically inclined, and he was a star of, of uh, that show, whatever they, they put on there. And uh, he got his head turned, uh, got engaged, and he got his head turned by another girl, and so he broke off the engagement with Jennifer, and hmm. so uh, he realized he made a mistake, and then he kind of sort of stalk, started stalking her, and so we had hmm. to bring her home. And uh, so she came home and went to work out at, at uh, the Space and Rocket Center as a space camp counselor. And um, so she dated a few people that she had known in the past. And then Cindy Workman wanted to introduce her to her, her cousin. And Russ came into our picture. Yeah. And so Russ came in, and he's so awesome. Mm. And then Christy had started dating Raymond Jones here. Uh, in her high school years and mm-hmm. so she went off to Lipscomb and she lasted one whole semester and they missed each other so bad <laughs> she came back home and we may let her marry him very young and her daughter during her teenage years looked at me one time and said Grammy why did you let my mom marry <laughs> my dad when she was so young because she was 19 and I said Catherine, if she'd have gone off and found somebody that I didn't know anything about at Lipscomb, I said, we probably wouldn't have. But I said, I watched your daddy grow up. I said, I knew that he had great family and that he was a good man. Uh And so we got all our girls settled into awesome marriages. And and so it was like life is set, right? Here we go. (laughs) We've We've got them all grown and married and life is just a awesome thing living in living in the town it is interesting that you sent them all off to yes to Lipscomb and none of them none of them stuck there with, that's right <laughs> and they all wind up it's like no go wait you're here oh you got this great guy oh well hey the the one thing that I say is one of our big mine and Jim's biggest blessings in this life has been having all three of our girls come back to this town and be in the same town and raise all eight of our grandchildren mm-hmm. so that we could be close. And, right. you know, we mm-hmm. kind of made up our minds that we were going to be some of their biggest fans. And we still run to ball games and everything all the time because we want to be out there applauding them or lifting them up if they don't do well. Yeah. yeah. So, so that to me is one of the biggest blessings that we've experienced. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you and I have had lots of conversations. Miss Sue is one of my best friends. It it hurt me when she left. I told her not to retire. Um, But if she did retire, that she needed to come up here a lot. So instead of her being up here a lot, now I've invited her to do podcasts. I'll just, (laughs) she's going to take over the podcast industry here soon. But 
the um, you know you and I have had a lot of discussions and um, one of your big things in your life that have happened along the way is you know your children having children um, but specifically one of your children losing a child can you tell us a little bit about that event and how even through that God has shaped you and molded you well first of all I think that you can hear just snippets of the fact that I didn't lead a storybook childhood life mm -hmm. and then when I met Jim and it, I, I thought it did become storybook um, and Vicki got pregnant and of course she was here in town and Jim and I even when Scotty was out of town we went and helped her get her nursery all set up we helped her paint the walls and it was Noah's Ark <laughs> now was this the first pregnancy this is the very or? first grandchild okay. this was going to be the very first grandchild and I was obnoxious I was so excited I actually bought my baby bed for my house before she bought hers oh, wow. <laughs> Grandparents kind of are. We are kind of. Yes. Yeah, yes. kind yes, of we can be that way. So um, her pregnancy was just textbook. I mean, she was healthy. The baby was healthy up until right before time for her to deliver. So she was ready for delivery. And she went to the, to the doctor on, uh, she and Scotty went for an appointment at the, to the doctor on the, the Friday. And they discovered that Susanna was breech and that she needed to either be turned and they could send her straight to the hospital then and try to turn her, or they could schedule a C-section for the next Friday. Well, they sat there and talked about it and then later went home and prayed about making the right decision and they decided to schedule a C-section for the next Friday. And what so, week along the process? was this or this was her, that she was ready for delivery i mean she was due so this is right at 40 mm -hmm. weeks in mm -hmm. uh-huh and so she had had that friday appointment well over that weekend she was like okay i'm not feeling the movement that i've felt in the past i wonder if that's what happens when the baby gets in the birth canal mm -hmm. if if the movement and all the bumping and stuff stops but it made her nervous, so she went to she had she was a dental she is a dental hygienist, and so she went to work the next day. Still didn't feel any movement, and I guess talked to some of her people in her office and everything. And she decided to um, she was okay on Monday, and on Tuesday it was like okay, I'm just going to call that doctor's office and see if I can run over there during lunchtime and just let them check me and reassure me. Well, the rest is just a horrific story because she went over there and they said there is no heartbeat mm -hmm. and so Susanna had died and Vicki and Scotty had not uh, found out what the sex of the baby was going to be because they didn't want to know but they had names picked out and Susanna's actually in the Bible and it's a combination of my Sue and his Joanna mama so it was mm -hmm. Susanna and she was she was Susanna Grace. So um, so they went to over there. To, they said, okay, so what do we do? And they said, well, we're going to send you to the hospital, and we're going to admit you, and then in the morning we're going to induce labor and let you deliver. Well, th this is another piece of the God piece in some of this stuff. Um, she 
Hallelujah was the woman that she was supposed to be, and she didn't call her mother to get me all involved. She got Scotty, mm-hmm. and Scotty rushed to that that doctor's office, and they sat there and processed the news and and everything. And then um, then I got my call, but in the meantime, one of Scotty's coworkers was Lee Milam's neighbor. And when they came and got Scott, or when Scotty got his phone call and he rushed out, this person called his wife and said, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on with the Sparks baby. And so she called Karen, Karen called Lee. Mm. (laughs) And so they assembled me here in the old building in the office to, to tell me that they had discovered that Susanna had died. Mm. and she became a stillbirth but Jim had left to go out of town Mm -hmm. my mother had been here to visit for our birthdays because we shared October birthdays and so she had just left on Monday to go back home this was Tuesday Wednesday was going to be delivery day and so I had to call my mother and she and my sister came to be with us and everything and um I just remember gathering there that Tuesday and I stayed all night and we were trying to find Jim because he was in flight. He was checking into a hotel. Uh, Long story short, um, I was at the hospital all night outside of Vicki's room, but Gene Savage stayed with me all night and we walked the halls of that hospital praying and talking and crying and I mean just Mm. just processing this news because Mm -hmm. I remember thinking wait a minute wait a minute what what this can't be I mean I had not led a storybook life but it was then and how do you not have your first grandbaby how does that happen and so the next day here are my very vivid memories of that Um, Lee and Bob Rice who used to go here Vicki and Scotty had some awesome friends and um, they were trying to find Jim Um, that actually happened that actually happened on Tuesday they were trying to find Jim and they found him and Jim had just arrived at his hotel when he finally got the message and he rented a car and drove all night long back from Chicago to be Mm. back home. And I remember just the waiting room started, that Wednesday morning, the waiting room started being flooded with Mayfair people. And I'm telling you, it was almost chaos. There Mm. were so many. And it was one of the things that later people told me, they said, the nurses are going, what, what, what is this deal? You know, who, who are these? Who is this couple, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so Mayfair got a reputation that day of being there for people whenever they were hurting. Mm-hmm. And the, even the people that were have actually having babies were going, we know something's wrong and something's different, but can y'all tell us what's, mm-hmm. what, is, what is going on here? Well, I can remember vividly, Jim just was so antsy, and he would, they had her on the hallway up close to the waiting room so that she'd be away from where 
the other babies were being delivered. Mm -hmm. But you could look in a crack between the doors that opened up to let you in there. And Jim would just go and look and see if he could see anything. Because, you know, they'd induced her. She wasn't she wasn't in labor. So. Right. But the thought of having to go through labor and delivery for a baby that you're going to bury but not take home mm. was almost incomprehensible. Oh, yeah. It just sounds horrible. And so I remember nurses coming to us as a family and going, will you want to hold her after she comes? To which I'm thinking, what? Hold her? She's not alive. Then when she came, we couldn't have not held her. Oh, my. Um, and then that takes us to actually the delivery. And Vicki and Scotty were huddle leaders here at Mayfair, and that their group was just amazing group of kids. It was uh, Zach Watson, who was Rex and Phyllis's son, uh, Michael uh, Kinzer, who was the Kinzer son, mm -hmm. uh, Ann Noble, who's uh, Patty Smith, and mm -hmm. anyway, they were just amazing. And they had given Vicki and Scotty a surprise shower the Sunday before. Hmm. So they started hearing about this. And years later, we heard from somebody that Vicki got to know out at Madison Academy that, like, Zach heard, and he came and said, we, I've got to have the people that are out of we got to go to the hospital. So these kids... <laughs> came flooding the hospital and um, there was a time whenever they wanted after Susanna was delivered we were holding her and crying and you know everything and so they wanted to come back there and Lee said this was a little later because I want to tell another piece but Lee came and said Sue do you think the parents would be okay for these kids to come back here and I said I don't know Lee I said let's go talk to them and so we went exiting Vicky's room and those kids had had enough here they were <laughs> opening that door the, the back the, and they were coming and so several of those kids came into that hospital room that had all of us several of the close friends and we were holding her <laughs> and some of them held her oh my goodness actually held wow. her uh, and Ann Noble, who's uh, Patty Smith's daughter, was so touched by all of that, she asked if she could uh, dedicate the library, teen library, to Susanna. And so that happened, and she wrote a couple of poems that went on the wall there. I mean, this we were so touched. I mean, so mm -hmm. many people reached out to us and loved us and supported us. And so the piece that I think that is the most standout piece of that whole experience was out of that tragedy came a peace that only could have come from God and the Holy mm. Spirit. I, I believe with all my heart that we were being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And Lee bent down on his one knee beside me in my chair and he said, Sue, can you feel the peace in this room? And I said, Lee, you could cut it with a knife. And I don't know how on earth my worst nightmare became one of the biggest blessings in my life because Susanna, in not being taken home, 
became such an influence and she made such an impact on other people that maybe none of the other grandchildren since have done that same thing, you know? Um, in our loss, we became very blessed. Mm. Um, now, in that period of time, I, I just said a bit ago that my mother came back up there to help us bury our granddaughter. It wasn't two weeks later that while she was visiting for her, for her birthday, she said, you know, I did something to my foot. She said, I think I injured it scotching myself on my uh, riding mower, mowing my creek bank. So that tells you <laughs> what my mother was like. So uh, not two weeks later, my sister called and said, Sue, I'm rushing mother to Jackson. They think they're going to have to amputate her foot. And I'm like, oh, my word. So I said, well, keep, keep me in the loop. Well, I didn't rush off to Jackson because they immediately sent her on to Nashville to St. Thomas. And it turned out that mother had lung cancer oh, wow. that was shooting clots to her leg and it shut off the blood supply to her leg mm. so she didn't just lose a foot she lost a leg just below the knee and then we finally got her home to her house for us for thanksgiving and um it seemed that nobody else stepped up and uh i thought my sister would keep her there at her house and so my sister said she just couldn't handle that and so I looked at Jim and I said, I guess we're taking mother to Huntsville. So hmm. we brought mother here and then I took care of her and tried to work and took off work. And, and then her good leg started turning colors and getting cold and uh, I rushed her back to Nashville and they amputated that leg further hmm. up. She ended up getting gangrene, she ended up losing that leg off at the hip mm. so my mother was very debilitated and i took i had her still at my house and she did rehab here in huntsville but my brother wanted her in dixon where he had a two-level house the bottom in the basement was kitchen living room bedrooms mm -hmm. just like the top and so that made sense and i knew that that um nobody would probably see her except Gemini if I kept her in Huntsville so I took her up to Dixon and cried and cried driving home because I didn't want to let go of her but I went every weekend and that was um, Susanna was in October mother was starting in November like November 5th and uh, she died April 16th right after that so I had six months of losing a grandbaby and losing my hero mother and so I've told many people that she went through so much in the course of her illness that I felt like one of the inflatable clowns that was weighted at the bottom every time we would come back up and think oh, now we're settled something else would go wrong and we'd be back in Nashville we would be experiencing something else and I felt like I was being punched I'd go back down we'd come back up I'd go back down I'd come back up so it was six months of pure uh, torture to have lost that grandbaby and not be able to stay here and even console Vicki I got caught up 
I mean, mother, I was, I would come to work uh, in January, from January, I, I was, got her settled in Dixon in January, and um, from then on, I was there every weekend to stay with her, hmm. and, um, but anyway, um, I lost her, and uh, I said, if you had asked me if I would ever, could have ever laughed at my mother's funeral, I'd have told you you were crazy because, but I had cried so much at her loss. There were no tears left the day of her funeral, and the the preacher from our church told funny stories about her because mm-hmm. she she was spunky, mm-hmm. and I laughed at her funeral. Yeah. I mean, it was like, uh, and then when my daddy died not long after that, um, I. I, I cried a lot at his because I thought this is final. I'll never get another chance for this to be better. Um, so life was kind of hard there f- for a while. But and then you know they tell they tell people who lose babies to not get pregnant right away. Give your body a chance to heal. Well, Vicky did that, and then she started trying to get pregnant. It took her two years, mm-hmm. almost to the day. Her delivery date for Sarah Grace was in October. Oh, wow. Just like Susanna. And um, it turned out she had a thyroid issue, and she was not ovulating, and the doctor had to discover that, get her on medication, and get her. And here's another faith story, and it's not mine, but I'm going to share it anyway. (laughs) Um, I was the protector mother, like I had been raised like, and so... Every time Vicky would think maybe she was pregnant, I'd come. Now don't get your hopes up. Don't 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 go thinking that you know. Well, sure. time after time after time, she wasn't pregnant, you know. And Christy and I even went with her to an, a foreign adoption meeting to learn how to adopt. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, we're, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> we're, you're going to get a baby. Mm-hmm. But once they got her thyroid fixed, um, she was able to deliver Sarah Grace, but I remember her saying, I think I'm pregnant, and I go, now, don't get your, don't get too, she said, Mom, I think, I'm pretty sure that I'm pregnant, and I go, okay, she said, Mom, I'm pregnant this time, she said, because Mary Miller has been praying and fasting Mm -hmm. for this, and I'm pregnant, and she was. So it's kind of like I wanted to kind of like shake myself and say, oh, yeah, a little faith. Yeah. Uh, She had more faith than I did at the moment. I was so scared she was going to get disappointed again. And and I just remember, I mean, when we have people that are willing to pray and fast for us, I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. And, y'all, it's a lot, though. That was a lot, not only all at once, you know, losing a mom, but losing the first grandbaby. And in the middle of that, you know, you talking about the story of peace. I, it's, it's hard, as you were telling it, for me not to get teared up in here. I'm sure when people listen to this, or if I listen mm-hmm. back to it, I'll probably cry because of the, the emotion that I know had to be wrapped up into that. And it's so cool to hear how God revealed himself. And it could have just been a devastating event. I mean, it really could have. And then couple that with losing my mother. My mother was one of my 
you know, for years she was my best friend mm. uh, because she was so amazing with us. Mm-hmm. She could pinch a penny and keep <laughs> us, I mean, you know, and, and, and my daddy spent money on other women and, and we lived tight for years, even after his hospital stuff and being on welfare. And um, my mother just was the rock. She mm-hmm. was the piece that kept our lives as normal as they could be. And you know, she really kept us from kept it from us until that day I came home from high school and his car was packed and mm-hmm. and he was ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really think that my brother and I did my mother a disservice to have cried and begged him to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know uh, because he eventually just walked out one day while my mother was up at my brother's restaurant helping him through a rush period and daddy had somebody come with their pickup truck and he moved out and Mm. mother just went home and found a note and Mm. they had never had another word Uh, they never spoke again after that Mm. you know hearing these stories especially the story with vicky i mean um have you have you seen through those that traumatic you know event with that and that it's allowed you to maybe minister to other people or have you seen that happen have you seen god open doors through your experiences even those bad experiences um in going through that with vicky has it allowed you to maybe minister to other people since you then? know i know this is gonna this this may come across sounding a little strange to some people that I don't know. I, I fully believe that the Holy Spirit was in the hospital room yeah, that day. Yeah. And I, I I don't think everybody can say that they've experienced the Holy Spirit. And for me, that's a blessing because to understand the, the Godhead and the, the, the three three and one is a little hard concept to, to put your mm-hmm. arms around. Right. Um, but I was at a, a bridal tea in someone's house uh, years later and uh, there was a family that had their daughter was pregnant and I was talking to somebody and I could hear this young lady over here and I'm not going to mention their names yeah, but, sure. um, but I could hear her over there talking about getting close getting excited and this feeling came over me and it was almost like I got shivers and I was I, I just silently said God please don't let this family be who we have to minister to, and then just kind of brushed it off. And then I was sitting at my desk at work, and the dad called and said, Sue, do you know where Vicki is? And I said, I said his name, and I said, please don't tell me your experience and what we did. And he said, we are, Mm -hmm. but we're trying to keep it quiet. Oh, man. He said, but our daughter is asking for Vicky. She wants, all she wants right now is Vicky. She said, he said, can you get in touch with her? And I said, at the time she was dabbling a little bit in real estate, and I said, I think she was showing a house. Let me see if I can get her. And so um, I, he said, please don't, sh- please don't, we're not wanting this out there. But can you imagine the burden? I'm sitting in my office with this news, mm-hmm. 
And I just got up and I went down the hall and I said, Lee, can we talk? And he said, Jen, I shut the door and I said, you've got to help me. I said, let me tell you what's going on. He said, let's go. He said, let, he, he grabbed Jason and we took off to the hospital. And we got up there and I had had my call in to Vicki and she said, I'll get there as soon as I can. I've got to process this out and get gone. Well, her people didn't show up, so she just left. Mm-hmm. And um, so Lee and, and Jason and I were up there and the grandmother was just that, un- oh, she was just as devastated as I remembered being. And I was able to say, please just look at us, look at us, look at us. Look at where we are with the blessing of the ba- grandbabies we have now. Just look at us and see what, where we are now. And um, I'll have to tell you that one of my proudest moments of a child happened when Vicki walked in that hospital and she had on a coat and she took that coat off and she handed it to me and the nurse had said, is that Vicki? And I said, yes. And she said, Vicki, come with me. And so she ushered Vicki into that room with this husband and wife and she was in there a long time ministering to them. Mm-hmm. Now that could make me cry. Um, she was ministering to them in a way that only she could. Yeah. That only, I mean, and later we were like, how did she even remember? Because this was several years later, and this girl was young when that happened to Vicky. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how did, she, how did she know to ask for me? And she wanted nobody. Like, mom and dad stayed out. Nobody, nobody went in that room until Vicky got there. Mm-hmm. And she was the answer they needed. It's... You know, again, I think that's what really we're called to be. You know, we're called to be people who experience life, experience pain, but we experience it with joy. And the, even the thought of experiencing pain with joy is, is just almost stupid. You know, it's like that just doesn't make sense. But it's things like that when when Vicky can walk into a room and and you, you, like God gave you the spirit and to know what to do in those situations and I just can't imagine somebody not having God and experiencing the, I have no clue the how, suffering how do they? in how life do they? Mm-hmm. you know, know that life hands us but Randy, Randy in answer to your question I just think I wrote something down. I, I said, I think ours was a horrifically tragic occurrence that, elicit, that elicited a sympathetic response. Not everyone will have that. Mm-hmm. So a, a horrific tragedy became a huge blessing in my life mm-hmm. because Susanna transported us to a, pl- a faith place that seems a little contradictory. How uh-huh. do you have loss that brings peace and blessing? Mm-hmm. I, I, you couldn't have asked me if it could have turned out that way and I could have believed it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But by the time we were in that room and this young girl named uh, 
what was her her first name? We called her Moffat. Her last name was Moffat. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Moffat. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth Moffat <laughs> loved Vicky and Scotty to death. She, I, she had a nickname for Scotty that wasn't even. It was another man, another guy name. I can't even remember what it was, but she wrote that on the the uh, something about, you know, Moffat loves whatever that nickname was, on mm. the board in Vicky's in her room. And, and uh, she held Susanna. And, you know, and what is she? I mean, I know she's still af- involved. And oh, isn't yeah. her husband a yeah, minister? Yeah, her husband's a minister somewhere. Yeah. She's ministered for years. Yeah. She's a hoot. Yeah, and, when I did, and when I was working Sid Smith's funeral a few weeks back, I was there at the meal before they started, and I started talking to Patty, and I had already talked to her daughter, Ann, and I said, Patty, I said, you know, you've been there with us, I said, and Ann was amazing. And she said, Sue, do you realize what those kids learned during that? She said, they learned how to be sympathetic how to 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 love on people through tragedy Mm -hmm. she said so many times teenagers aren't given opportunities like that yeah we protect and separate them Mm -hmm. Hmm. missy i know you when when we came in here you were concerned about uh, if this is a story i don't know if i have a story and all this and and one, I, I have a feeling you'll hear from the people that do listen to this and just say, oh, my goodness, that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, thank you for coming and, yes. and being willing to share your faith story, your journey. And um, if you had one final word that you could say, hey, you know, this is what I've experienced and this is what I want people to know. Either people that are going through, you know, really, there are a ton of women out there and men along walk alongside with their their spouses that have lost children ton of grandparents that have lost grandbabies um it happens a lot it's a it's a more regular occurrence than i would like for it to be it's rare that they go to 40 weeks and then lost that one's a little more rare but if, if you were to say one final word about either your faith journey or about what God's brought you to or what you would want people to hear, what would that be? You leave people with one thought or... I would say never underestimate the Christian walk. Never underestimate the value of Christian people in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm. Always know that God will walk with you if you allow it and his people will too because you know later we had the the tragedy of Catherine being diagnosed at eight months with type 1 diabetes and we came very close to losing her that morning after I stayed with Christy in the hospital so Roman could take little Roman home and have normalcy, normalcy in his life I remember whenever Raymond came back and I said, Christy, let's run home really fast and take a, like get cleaned up a little mm-hmm. bit. And the specialist that was in there took Raymond aside and said, don't let them leave. She's not out of the woods yet. And I didn't mm-hmm. know at that moment, but I, I remember telling Christy to go over and lay down for a little while. And I held that baby and her number was over 600 and that's very high. 
and she was she was lying there in my arms in a rocking chair with two I mean things were coming out of her and I had to be so careful holding her and rocking her and she we almost lost her we came so close to losing her mm -hmm. and um, so we we lost one and we came close to losing another and again you know I remember how the people flooded that room that waiting room now I wasn't out there like I was with waiting for Vicki to deliver but I remember the the crowds that were out there that were there to to minister to Christy and Raymond and Ray and Libby and and all and and um Jim was out of town that time, too. <laughs> <laughs> so you so would say like, the Christian community is just... Christian community, you, you can't overemphasize the importance. I, I, uh, and, and I would never say I would want to experience what we experienced again to get that. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my word, my life, because of it, is different I know it's different mm, yeah. and I know that maybe my upbringing could have led me to be less leaning on the power that's there to lean on but I found out what it means and it's been a it's been an amazing impact on my life and I hope I've used it I think that's why I enjoy doing funerals I love I love working with families in their loss. Yeah. If I can just hug them. Yeah. If I can just give them a hug, you know, um, if I make even a second of that tragedy or that loss feel better, maybe that's one of the things that came out of sure. Susanna. Um, and, you know, you heard her name, Susanna Grace. So when Vicki was expecting Sarah Grace, it was like, Okay, Susanna is Susanna, and she's her own person, and we didn't get to have her. So I, it's not like this was our name that we picked. It was going to be honoring to both mothers, but that's her. So she decided to use the grace piece mm -hmm. again for Sarah Grace so yeah. that it came back into play. And there there was a lot of grace. Well, I can, I can you know, we... Miss Sue it was never the the most visible person on our staff at Mayfair, but I can tell you she's impacted so many lives. Yeah. Just a, a quiet, gentle, and you have you have ministers, lots of families in their loss. Miss Sue, and just being who you are, um, I, I think it hopefully tells everybody their story uh, is is one that's that can impact other people's lives because of Jesus, because of what you've seen, God, how God has worked through your life and through all that. And, uh, it would be my prayer that something I've said today touches a nerve with somebody. It will. It will. Yeah, it and will. It, and one thing that Doug has done recently in these podcasts is we kind of we like to close by praying over the person we've uh, had the podcast with, and I'd like to do that right now with you if that'd be okay. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, Father, we're grateful to you for um, for so many things. Um, and Father, sometimes we look at um, the, when we're going through painful or crisis situations in our lives, we 
we question things and we even look at you and, and maybe even question you, Father, but you reveal yourself through those moments in so many powerful ways. And we're just thankful for hearing Miss Sue's story today and how you've worked through her life, even in uh, those dark times, Father, that you were there and that you prepared her for uh, other situations and for just being the person that she is, um, a daughter, a, a, a mother, a grandmother, a father, and a child of God, a child of yours. We're grateful for her life and for her light that she shines so so well through her actions and her words. And Father, we're grateful for being able to know her as a co-worker, um, but also just, just the blessing it is to have Sue as a part of our lives. And um, we pray that you bless her, bless Jim, uh, be with uh, the, her extended family, and we're grateful for the difference they're making in the lives of others. May it be uh, encouragement to those of us today as we look at our own lives, Father, and see how you work through it, that we would be ready and willing and able to uh, share you with others, Father, when the opportunity arises. And we are grateful, Father, for this time together that we've had with Miss Sue. And we pray your continued blessings on her as she's in this new chapter of her life. And uh, just bless her. And may she continue to be a light to so many others, Father. Mm-hmm. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. Through his name we pray. Amen. We, as a church, are imperfect and broken. God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your story if you're willing to share it. Would you appreciate any of your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast? And you can leave those comments and feedback at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real life stories and real faith you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.